Well, today is the day that uh, I'm going to wish I had better discipline on a daily basis. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, August 22nd. Why am I wishing I had better discipline on a daily basis? Well, it's because I have to go to the dentist for my biannual teeth cleaning today, and he's going to say, you should do a better job of brushing your teeth than you do. And it's just a couple small adjustments. But you know what? We talk about it all the time with the spiritual life. I guess I'm going to have to sit there and uh, be admonished, and, and rightfully so, in the dentist chair because I'm not doing with my dental hygiene what I try to do with my spiritual hygiene. And it's probably not the best way to say that. Let's pray this morning. Uh, today, by the way, is the we celebrate the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I know we've been praying our Immaculate Heart of Mary prayers all month long. As August is the month, we devote to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But today, in honor of her queenship, I thought we would pray our morning offering and then the Hail Holy Queen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve, To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we've got a lot for you on the show today. It is Martinoni Monday, and once again, we're going to be talking about that idea of sola scriptura. You've heard it. It's an idea that just won't go away, but how do we as Catholics talk about the three-legged stool of scripture, tradition, and... Uh, oh, now I just messed up. The, I forgot a leg of the stool here. But scripture, tradition, and magisterium, I believe. I'm going to have to look that up now. I can't believe I'm having morning fog at 7.02 in the morning. I've been up since 4-something, and I feel completely refreshed. After John Martinoni, we're going to be talking with Doug Barry. You know, I'm not prepared for you this morning, and Doug Barry are going to talk about being prepared, and you see why, you know, right there. Uh, We're starting a whole week together on being prepared. What's that have to do with spiritual health? Well, Doug and I will get into that a little bit later on. And then, uh, you know, we just tuned away from the Sunrise Morning Show here on Covenant Network, and Matt Swayman and Anna Mitchell are great people. Uh, And I mentioned that last week I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Matt Swayman. We're going to bring you one of those interviews today. And then uh, finally in the show today, we're going to spend a little bit of time reflecting on the Blessed Mother and consecrating ourselves to the Blessed Mother. So that's everything in store on Roadmap to Heaven today. And as I said, pray for me. I've got to go to the dentist, and he's going to say, do you floss every day? And I'm going to, in truth, have to say, no, I don't floss every day, which I know, I know I should. I know I should. Just like I say, pray your morning offering, pray your rosary, pray your midday examine, pray the chaplet of divine mercy, do your mental prayer, do your examination of conscience in the evening. 
And by the way, there's no way I shouldn't be able to overlap some of these things. I can do an examination of conscience while flossing my teeth um, because you're not going anywhere. You're standing at the bathroom sink to floss. So why not make the boat the best of it and knock two things out at once? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I have no excuse. That's what's ahead on the show today. You don't want to hear me talk about the dentist anymore. So let's go to Mike Roberts for a look at today's weather. Today is the memorial of the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A few days ago, we celebrated Mary's assumption into heaven. Today, on the octave day, the eighth day of that feast, we honor her as queen of heaven. The beginning of this journey really started with the angel Gabriel, who tells Mary her son Jesus will be called Son of the Most High, and God will give him the throne of David. At the first Council of Trent in the fifth century, the Blessed Mother was proclaimed Mater Dei, Mother of God. In 1954, Pius XII established today as a feast day, celebrating Mary as Queen of Heaven because Jesus is the Heavenly King. In his encyclical to the Queen of Heaven, Pius XII says that Mary deserves this title because she is the Mother of God, because she is closely associated with the new Eve and Jesus' redemptive work, because of her preeminent perfection, and because of her intercessory power. And of course, we call upon Our Lady's intercession at the end of every rosary we pray. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of Heaven, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. It's Monday. We're talking with John Martinoni, and I feel like, John, this next one falls into the realm of that conversation I had with my kids after science class last year. You know, Dad, did you know that all bugs are insects, but not all insects are bugs or or something like that? I I forget how it goes. (laughs) I, I try to stay away from conversations about bugs and insects. But this is about the sacred scriptures being the divine inspired word of God, useful for teaching, refutation, correction, and training in righteousness. In fact, what I just read you there comes straight from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that's a verse that sometimes we have thrown at us, John, when they're saying sola scriptura. It's, it's Scripture alone. So what do we need to know about this verse today? Well, Adam, you're absolutely right. When, when you get into a discussion about sola scriptura, the Bible alone being the sole infallible source of all things Christian, or the sole source for all things Christian, you'll have Second Timothy 3.16 thrown at you. All scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, etc. And I want to focus on that inspired part, because that's, see, they say it's inspired by God. It's the Word of God. And so what I do with people, I say, look, okay, well, let me ask you this question. I said, why do you believe the Gospel of Mark, for example, is the inspired, inerrant Word of God? I'll ask a, a, a Baptist or evangelical. I'll say, well, because it's part of Scripture. I, okay, well, how do you know it's part of Scripture? How do you know that the Gospel of Mark is the inspired, inerrant Word of God? Where does it say that in the Bible? You know, you go by the Bible alone, so the Bible ought to say somewhere, the Gospel of Mark is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, if that's what you believe. 
Well, what do I do? What, what happens in that situation? I have people go, well, all Scripture is inspired by God. It says so in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, and since the Gospel of Mark is Scripture, it's inspired by God. Which, Adam, that, that's what we call circular reasoning. You're assuming that the Gospel of Mark is Scripture, and then you go to 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, well, all Scripture is inspired, so the Gospel of Mark must be inspired. But 2 Timothy 3.16 doesn't tell you that the Gospel of Mark, or, or the book of Hebrews, or Revelation, or, or any other book in Scripture, is the, quote, inspired, inerrant Word of God, end quote. So to believe that, what is necessary? Well, you need some authoritative source outside of Scripture in order to know what Scripture is in the first place. So this whole idea of sola scriptura is self-refuting. It's a self-refuting doctrine, because there is nowhere in the Bible that gives you the list of books that should be in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of John, the, the book of Revelation, etc., is the inspired, inerrant Word of God for each one of those books. So, to use 2 Timothy 3.16 to prove, quote-unquote, sola scriptura, just does not work. And one other reason it doesn't work is because if you go back just one or two verses, 2 Timothy 3.14 and 15, you realize Paul's talking about the Old Testament here. He's not even talking about the New Testament. So the whole argument for sola scriptura just completely falls apart. If you can look at the verse objectively and say, okay, don't assume anything in here. Tell me how you know Mark is, is inspired, how Revelation is inspired. Show me in the Bible where it says that they can't do it. Sola Scriptura falls flat on its face. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember in the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John, like we see in so many modern books, an introduction from the author that says, I was inspired to write this Gospel by God because I write Scripture. That's what I do. This is Scripture here. And because I wrote that down in the Gospel, now you know it's true. So I want to thank you for getting us off the merry-go-round. I was getting a little dizzy there, John. If i got to be honest, I was getting a little <laughs> dizzy there. But, you know, here's the other thing that I was thinking as you were saying all of this. Yes, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness. But nowhere in verse 16 does it say only Scripture is inspired by God and only Scripture is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That word only, that's only missing. Only or, or, or alone, it's not there. Absolutely right. All right. Well, if you like this one, friends, if you like getting on the merry-go-round of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 with John today, wait till next week when we're going to be talking about the doctrinal dance. Until then, John, have a great day. You as well, Adam. Good to be with you. Lord Jesus Christ, shepherd of souls, who called the apostles to be fishers of men, raise up new apostles in your holy church. Teach them that to serve you is to reign, to possess you is to possess all things. Kindle in the hearts of our people the fire of zeal for souls. Make them eager to spread your kingdom upon earth. Grant them courage to follow you who are the way, the truth, and the life, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.
This week we're going to be talking with Doug Barry about being prepared. And, you know, you might be saying to yourself, what does that have to do with growing in holiness? Well, I'm just going to say this. In times of distress, if you're not prepared, it's pretty hard to be holy because you're running around all crazy and anxious. And, and I say this from experience, Doug, that when I'm prepared, I can keep my cool. Mm-hmm. When I'm not, I'm not necessarily focused on holiness at that point. And There's no reason I shouldn't have been prepared. So this week, that's what we're going to be breaking down, and I'm happy to have you with us. So I want to start with this one, Doug, one of the most basic things out there, food. I think back to this past winter and a winter of about seven years ago that we got eight-plus inches of snow in a 24-hour period. And there was that question, am I going to be able to get to the grocery store? Do I have what I need to last Two days, three days, a week. Who knows what else is coming down the pike with the jet stream and the snow. And, you know, that's something that actually in a few months we're going to have to be thinking about here in St. Louis and in our listening area. Right. Well, and down here in Texas, in East Texas, we had what was referred to as snowmageddon about a year and a half ago. And a lot of people in the South got hit pretty hard. In Texas alone, I think the death toll was near 200 people and for a variety of reasons. But food was an issue. When the streets are bogged down with six, seven inches of snow in a city or in an area where they do not have snow plows, they don't have salt trucks because they don't put money into that. Their infrastructure is not built for that. The freezing conditions, of course, cause water pipes to break because the pipes are not buried below a frost line because down here, there really is no frost line. So you've got all these infrastructure areas that are not being addressed for the sake of some sort of a weather condition like that. And so food was an issue. People had to get to the grocery store they found themselves for sometimes several days to a week in their home and all they could go off of was what they had stored up in advance. Now, a lot of people will admit, and I talk about this all over the country, conferences, parish events, you name it. They do not have more than several days, a week's worth, maybe of food, at least food that they want to eat. But many people don't have a month's worth or two months worth. And so when we look at, for example, the baby formula shortage that took place earlier this year, that should be a real wake-up call for us to understand that the supply chain, the supply line is not as solid as we would like to believe it is. They say that the average grocery store has anywhere from two to three days worth of food on the shelves under normal shopping experience for the customer. If trucks stop coming in, you've got a couple, two, three days maybe, and most of those shelves are going to be pretty cleared out. Now, most people know that in a crisis like a hurricane or something of that nature that's coming in, we've seen the video or you've lived in those areas, those shelves can be cleared off in a matter of hours. So the idea of having some food on hand in advance of any kind of a crisis from a natural disaster to to a supply chain problem to Oh, heaven forbid, civil unrest, and you can't get out of your house for some reason. And we saw that a couple summers ago. And you in St. Louis are familiar with that from many years ago. We know that things are a little more fragile than we like to believe. Now, this is something I want to go back real quick and make mention of the Old Testament in the scriptures of the Old Testament, where Pharaoh has that dream of the seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven fat grain, seven skinny grain. Joseph is called out of prison. He interprets the dream and says, you're going to have seven years of bounty. It's going to be amazing. And then seven years of famine. What do we do? Joseph says, you need to prepare. You need to start storing up. So they took a measure. He was put in charge by Pharaoh, of course, to be the second most powerful person in Egypt at the time, other than Pharaoh. And Joseph went all over the land and they collected measures of 
provisions to prepare food for the seven years of famine. So we have scripture reference to the natural ordinary means that God works through. We should be doing that now, and maybe not seven years worth. That's up to you. You can get 25-year food supply. Yeah, that stuff's out there, freeze-dried, dehydrated, of course. But the bottom line is we should have some extra food on hand because that's necessary and we can share it with others. And that's a charitable, godly thing to do. Well, that's a very important point you bring up, Doug, too, the, the sharing it with others, because that gets us into the works of mercy. And I know from experience that there's always going to be someone nearby that isn't ready, that isn't as prepared as they should be. And is that something I'm thinking about when I make my preparations? Here's what I need for me and for my family, my first obligation. But here's also something I can put away for my neighbor to be able to be in a position to help without panicking, without becoming greedy and, and turning in on self and saying, I can't help you. It's all about me right now. You should have planned better. Exactly. And when you think about Matthew chapter 25, this is a key passage where when the Son of Man comes and sits on his throne and all the angels are with him and he assembles all the nations, this is the final judgment. We're all going to be there. He separates the sheep and the goats and the sheep go to heaven, the goats go to hell. This is the very short version of the, of the gospel passage, of course. And why? It's all because of whether you fed me when I was hungry, clothed me when I was naked, gave me drink when I was thirsty. In other words, what you do to least of my brothers, you do to me. What you don't do, you don't do to me. So our Lord makes it clear, caring for the corporal needs is essential for our salvation. We talk about preparation and prayer all the time on this show. This week, we're talking about preparation and temporal affairs, and it ties right in with prayer and works of mercy, as Doug just illustrated for us. So, Doug, I'm looking forward to this week, and uh, friends, you might want to keep a pen and paper handy as we talk about this. There's going to be some things you might want to write down. Amen. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. You probably heard our next guest actually not too long ago, just before we came on the air with Roadmap to Heaven. Matt Swaim is the co-host of the Sunrise Morning Show and also works with the Coming Home Network. And Matt, we're pleased to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. It's very good to have you here. Oh, I'm so grateful for the invitation and grateful for all the work of Covenant Network. We've been working with them in some capacity or other all the way back. So it's great to connect. So, listeners, you might be saying, what What are you guys going to talk about on the radio? We just heard Matt, and now we're hearing you, and it's the same old, same old. But I really want to get into the Coming Home Network here, because I hear you mention it on the show from time to time. And I finally went and did a deeper look at this and what's going on. And there was one thing in particular that stuck out. As a lifelong cradle Catholic, I always think, wow, what a great thing it is that someone's coming into the church, especially, you know, whether it's a heavy hitter like Dr. Scott Hahn or just the person at the parish that I go to who went through RCIA. What a great thing it is. I've never thought about the other side of that. That means they're leaving something behind, and sometimes that can be incredibly difficult. It certainly can be incredibly difficult. As a matter of fact, Marcus Grodi, who founded the network, <laughs> you know, this is, this is why he founded it, because he was a Presbyterian pastor, 
And bear in mind that these Protestant pastors are usually trying to figure out how to always go deeper so they can give their flock something that's deeper and richer. And so a lot of them are going into the early church and doing it kind of covertly and secretly. And, you know, Marcus wanted this network to kind of be a thing where we could be a support system for them when they found all the Catholic stuff in the early church, because let's face it, the early church is like loaded with Catholic stuff because that's what, yeah, because it's the church, right? It's the church. So uh, this network is built. Many of our listeners know that one of the fruits of that is the journey home. It's a production that EWTN and the coming home network have been working on back all the way to September of 1997. So it's been on the television side since 1997, but it's been on the radio side as well, right? So it's amazing to me how these people, and by sharing their stories, they really give kind of a little shot of courage in the arm to some of these people who are a little bit nervous and scared because, you know, it's not just weird for Protestant pastors to become Catholic. It's weird for lay people like me to become Catholic. You know, I went to Bible college and was never a formally ordained Protestant minister, but I ran in circles with all kinds of people who were. And, you know, if you're a Protestant who goes to a really life-giving church, and I'm sure you've got plenty of them around, everybody knows the mega churches they drive by. And well, if that's your church, then that's also your whole social network. It's everything. It's where your friends are. It's who you talk to. It's who you hang out with in your free time. And so just having this network is just an incredible thing to be able to to offer to these people. Matt, I'd like to go more to the the very local level for our listeners, and it's going to be different for everybody listening right now. We are still months away from the Easter Vigil when most converts come into the church, whether it's through baptism, reception into the church, making their first sacraments. But a lot of our CIA programs are starting right about now in the fall, and, and this is the time that the interest goes out there. I have always thought about it. Scrutiny Sunday is a good example. There are some times that in the life of the church, in the life of the parish, Father will say, now we're going to call forward our RCIA candidates and we're going to have a liturgical rite within the Mass where they go through some action and we pray for them. But beyond that, what can we do as Joe and Jane parishioner to support those that are going through that initiation process in our parishes? That's a great question because, again, you know, so often the, with the RCIA process, you know, traditionally speaking, the way that Protestants make other Protestants is they go and tell people about Jesus, their coworkers, their friends, their family. The way that Catholics tend to make other Catholics is they get married and have babies, right? <laughs> so uh, the idea of new people coming in and us kind of welcoming them is it's not, you know, how most cradle Catholics were themselves initiated into the life of the church. So it does take a little work on our part, a little paying attention, a little bit of you know, looking around and seeing if there's somebody that's new. And I will admit, I've embarrassed myself a couple of times because I've been at my 830 mass and seen somebody I didn't recognize and said, hey, are you new here? You know, glad you're here, whatever. And they're like, are you kidding me, man? I've been going to this church for 30 years. I go to the 11 o'clock. I just got up early today. <laughs> you know, it's okay that yeah. I got embarrassed. I still met somebody new in my parish or that was new to me. But the other thing too, is that from the flip side, because I know that there are a lot of people who are on the journey or in RCIA who are listening to the Covenant Network. I know because they reach out to us, right? And I know that you know because they reach out to you. And one of the things I always tell people, if you're on the end where you're trying to plug in and you're looking to get involved, I always say, man, listen to Catholic radio. And you normally listen to it for Catholic Answers or for some of the other programs. Listen to it for the commercials. Because during those breaks, you're going to hear advertisements and spots for things that are going on in your area. 
And if you hear that event, that speaker series or that pro-life event or whatever it is, and you show up, you're going to find a whole bunch of Covenant radio listeners, right? And those will happen to be probably the people who are most dialed into their faith in your area. And that's a plug and play community, right? And just go up and say hello, say who you are, say what your deal is. Unless you meet the one person out of 200,000 who's a jerk at that event, right? Yeah. You're going to meet a, a new friend, a new person who's probably really excited that you're coming into the church. So Catholic Radio really serves as like a hub for these sorts of things to really plug these new people in and to give the Cradle Catholics kind of an access point to the new people. All right. Well, I want to end with this question because we are running out of time here. Um, I think back to my grandma. At one point, she was invited. Could you come be a sponsor in the RCIA program? She goes, well, I don't know anything to teach. You don't have to teach RCIA. We just need you to be there to be a sponsor. I think of this wonderful woman, Jill, who she sponsored and got to know her really well. This was, you know, 25, 30 plus years ago. It's about that time that we're going to start hearing that. The RCIA program is looking for sponsors. And a lot of us might be saying, me? No, you don't mean me. You mean you mean that holier person in the other pew that is here every day. It, it couldn't be me, could it, Matt? No. Well, you know what the requirements are? You know, do you pray, right? Can you love somebody, <laughs> right? Can you make a friend? I mean, it's not that. Let the people leading RCIA do the hard work of the theology and the initiation. And honestly, go in and sit on the classes with these people. I guarantee you, even if you've been Catholic your whole life and you're in your 70s, you're going to learn something yourself alongside this person and that makes you grow alongside them and just do it man what's the worst that can happen all right well you ask a dumb question in class i mean come on no there's still learn something there are no dumb questions in class uh, no, especially when all. it's about growing in the faith matt swaim is the co-host of the sunrise morning show which you can hear here on covenant network every morning before roadmap to heaven they go on the air at 5 a.m central time on our stations. The Journey Home is actually peppered all over our schedule. So I would encourage you, if you want to hear The Journey Home, go to ourcatholicradio.org, click on schedule, and find a time that works for you. It's in there in a few spots. And for more information on the coming home network, just go to chnetwork.org. Matt, I want to thank you for your time with us today. Hey, thank you so much, and God bless the Covenant Network. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Active consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Virgin of Fatima, Mother of Mercy, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Refuge of Sinners, we consecrate ourselves to Thy Immaculate Heart. To Thee we consecrate our hearts, our souls, our families, and all that we have. And in order that this consecration may be truly effective and lasting, we renew today the promises of our baptism and confirmation, and we undertake to live as good Christians, faithful to God, the Church, and the Holy Father. We desire to pray the rosary, partake in the Holy Eucharist, attach special importance to the first Saturday of the month, and work for the conversion of sinners. Furthermore, we promised, O Most Holy Virgin, that we will zealously spread devotion to Thee, so that through our consecration to Thy Immaculate Heart, and through Thy own intercession, the coming of the Kingdom of Christ in the world may be hastened. Amen. This last full week of August will be dry, a little bit cooler than normal and, well, great. Lots of sunshine today, a few clouds here and there, a high of 85 degrees. 
Three cooler than the normal high. Tonight lows will bottom out near 60 with some patchy fog. Then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, partly to mostly sunny skies. Highs in the mid 80s Tuesday and Wednesday, 88 Thursday, 85 Friday. Next weekend, partly sunny on Saturday with a high near 90. Sunday, partly sunny with a slight chance for an afternoon storm and a high in the upper 80s. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Every now and then on a Monday when we get a daily dose of encouragement, I think about last week and say to myself, I wish we could keep going with that. But, well, friends, we have limits. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about with Patty Schneier today. So, Patty, what do you have in store for us? This week, we're going to talk about limits and priorities in the spiritual life. Again, I'm drawing my reflections here from my own spiritual director who shared with me, translated for me some nuggets of truth from a book in Italian called The Art of Restarting. And I have taken this these nuggets to adoration and pondered them. And there's a whole section on limits and priorities. And boy, do they really, really speak to me. So I just want to share with you some of these nuggets of truth that I learned from this book. So what do you think of when you hear the words limits and priorities? Maybe you don't like speed limits. Maybe you were once told that you needed to get your priorities straightened out. So none of us really like feeling limited, right? We're trained to reach for the stars and that the sky's the limit and to be all that we can be, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in this book of The Art of Restarting, Father Rossini calls limits and priorities gifts. And I love what he says about priorities. He says priorities are peaceful, clear anchor points. They can accept appropriate emergencies, whereas emergencies should never select our priorities. For example, if daily mass or let's say a weekly adoration hour is your priority, then it becomes a clear, peaceful anchor of your schedule and your life. And it can accept the appropriate emergency that may come up, right? If someone is sick or needs my help that morning. So I need to maybe take the car to the shop and then, okay, I can't get to daily mass. But what are your peaceful, clear anchor points in your spiritual life? What are your priorities? Many of our priorities are found in our state in life, and we just have to recognize them and accept them. So today we're going to be talking this whole week about limits and priorities. Think about what are your priorities in your spiritual life? What are your priorities in your state in life? And maybe, you know, think about those this week, pray about them, that you can have clear priorities and then accept them and act from them. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I always love a week that starts with you giving us homework and now it's time to think about our limits and our priorities. And Patty, I'm actually looking forward to doing that work tonight. I'd like to leave us today with two quotes that I read in conjunction with one another yesterday. The first is from a 17th century uh, preacher named Thomas Brooks, who wrote, When the pump goes, you may quickly know whether the water that is in the fountain or well be clear or muddy, sweet or stinking. And when the clapper strikes, you may soon guess of what metal the bell is made of. And so by men's tongues, you may easily guess what is in their hearts. Pairing that with St. Francis de Sales, who wrote, I wish I had buttons on both lips, which I should be obliged to unfasten when I had an occasion to speak. For then, 
for I should then gain more time to reflect and consider. I mention this because I read these uh, the other day after going to confession over the weekend. And as I share with you on the show, one of the most common things I bring into the confessional, unfortunately, is a lack of patience and then saying, you know, something sarcastic or snippy or uncharitable, whether it's uh, to my wife or to my children or to someone else. Um, And I thought of these two things. If, If you know by what's drawn from the well, whether the water's good or not, or if the bell rings for what the clapper hits, you know, if it's a good bell or a bad bell. And so by what men's tongues say, you can know what's in their hearts. Uh, I really took to heart that quote from St. Francis de Sales. I wish I had buttons on both lips, which I should be obliged to unfasten when I had an occasion to speak. Or perhaps write when I write a comment online or something like that. So the point is, slow down, slow down, and don't get yourself into trouble. Stop and think before you open your mouth. It might just save you from sinning. And ask for the grace to do that, too, because if that's up to you and I to do on our own, we're probably in trouble. But if we keep asking for the grace, especially going through the Blessed Mother's intercession, I think we'll find some success. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady... Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As always, I want to thank Doug Berry and John Martinoni for being with us, and Patty Schneier, and Matt Swain for joining us today on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't forget to check out the podcast later today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.